0: Welcome to Business Dow with George Cow, where I share with you some reflections on how we can build and grow a thriving business from a place of true heart and joyful productivity. Enjoy this episode. Really excited to be here with Corbett Barr. Uh, I've been a fan of his work for years. Um, I was actually a member in the Fizzle community a couple years ago and uh, been listening to the podcast and and just recently kind of reconnected with this content corbett it's really great to have you here george
1: thank you so much i'm honored to be on
0: yeah so i have i have some great questions for you that i think a lot of my audience will benefit from i have people who are aspiring creators in my audience and also some who are experienced and want to do even better um but the first question since you uh you know the way i think about you you're kind of like you're kind of like me, but you're a hundred times more successful. <laughs> so now I'm going to pick your, I doubt brain that. pick your brain and I think my audience will benefit from this. So the first question really is, I, I think, uh, I think my audience identifies, I don't know if they identify with the term creator. Sometimes I use that sometimes, sometimes I don't, but since your audience does and you use that term a lot, I want, I want you to define creator as the way you think about it. Now, what is a, what is a creator?
1: Well, a creator is someone who makes things, right? Um, But today, I think we often spend time talking about, I think, what people are calling the creator economy. And that's this new world that we live in where an individual can make things and sell them to other people on a scale that's big enough to earn a living from. I guess you could say that that's existed for as long as you know, humans have uh, had commerce in general, but now we have so many platforms that allow us to do that online. People are selling audio, video, text courses, all kinds of digital experiences, and they're doing that on platforms like Twitch, uh, YouTube, on your own blog, your own podcast. All of those people are independent creators, I would say.
0: Yeah, this is great. This is very helpful. And so, imagine you had a few minutes with somebody who is an aspiring creator, somebody who uh, you know listens to 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 this audio or watches the video and says, "I would love to also uh, be independent from my job, uh, to be able to make a living, uh, sharing what I love, creating what I love." So they're an aspiring creator. They may they may have gotten started a little bit, or they may have are are maybe they're thinking about it. You have a few minutes with them. What must they absolutely know, or what would you want to share with them?
1: Well, uh, there's, there's kind of two sides to it. And I would say that there is the internal emotional side that all of us as entrepreneurs have to go through. And a lot of times when someone gives up or quits or doesn't make it to their end goal, it ends up involving a lot of personal, um, Baggage, feelings, all that sort of stuff plays a big role into it. So there's a big mental aspect to being a, an entrepreneur, and I think most of us are unprepared for that, and we don't realize just how intense the emotional roller coaster is that we will go on uh, within this journey at being an entrepreneur. So. I would counsel people to be aware of that, to watch out for that, and to try to um, observe themselves and how they react to things. Because those who succeed are the ones who recognize that being an entrepreneur is full of uncertainty. And the sooner you can get comfortable living with that uncertainty, with not knowing what the future holds, with what even today or tomorrow holds, and whether or not something that you try will work. Whether or not you have what it takes to um, actually you know, become an entrepreneur, to be successful at it, all of that uncertainty uh, plays a role. So that's kind of the first side, the emotional side. The second side is the realities of the marketplace and understanding that as entrepreneurs, our job is fairly simple. It is to identify problems, needs, desires that exist in the world out there figure out a way to create solutions to those, and then to get that solution in front of people in a way that they're willing to pay for. And I love that entrepreneurship or, or business in general can be distilled to such a, a simple, small thought or phrase and yet it's the kind of thing that you can study for many many years it's it's sort of like playing chess or or something else that appears simple at first and then you recognize that you could dedicate an entire career and many people do just to understanding it so as an entrepreneur i like to tell people to think of themselves as um, almost a scientist where you're coming up with a hypothesis you believe that there are people out there who are struggling with this or who really want that and that you will be able to provide a solution to that in a way that they'll be willing to pay for. Now, if you're wrong, you want to put yourself into a position where that's okay. You're wrong. It's This is just a hypothesis. And all the time, scientists go into a study believing that this might be true, but the point of the study is to find out whether or not it is true. So you go into this as an entrepreneur, basically studying this, creating this thing, putting it out there, finding out if people want it or not. And if they don't want it, you have to recognize that it's not up to you necessarily to change people's minds. It's up to you to understand why they don't want it and then to either improve the product, reach different people, or do whatever it takes to to find that success. But I love that hypothesis mindset because it really kind of sets people up to understand that, um, you know, being successful as a business builder, as an independent creator, whatever you want to call it, uh, is really about the long-term success as an entrepreneur, and not necessarily about the individual success of any one product, or service, or offering that you create.
0: It's brilliant. I, I love that, and thank you for framing it that way. There's a there's an, the mindset component, internal emotional equanimity with all this. And there's the marketplace or you might say the technical, uh, experimental, scientific part of it. So you could say there's an artist and and scientist, you know, part of it. But, um, you know, you you said to be comfortable with uncertainty. I think it's really interesting because, you know, I think the reason why people, I imagine, get jobs um, instead of being a creator, working for themselves, is that there's a lot more certainty Mm -hmm. to it. Um, in fact, I have a friend right now who's trying to recruit me for a job. I love the guy. I'm like, I'd love to work with you, but I got to stay independent, man. Part, <laughs> partly for, for, to, to be a model for my people. You know? Yeah. But yeah. it's interesting. Cause I think, I think in a job, you know, it's, it's funny the way I think about it, it's like, yeah, with, with, with a creator, there might be uncertainty in the beginning, but I think as we follow, um, uh, I mean, there are, there, there is such a thing as good strategy. Right, I mean, otherwise there wouldn't be trainings and (laughs) fizzle. So I think there is, there is a a pathway that others have shown. Generally, this seems to work, or these principles work. uh, This overall pathway, if you follow it, uh, you'll be uh, you'll be able to create certainty faster than if you just didn't follow any kind of pathway at all. And so I think with the creator, um, they're they start with uncertainty. Hopefully, they create certainty more certainty over time. And I think it's probably true. I mean, if you were to launch anything today, given that you already have an audience, there is more, uh, you have a better guess that it's probably gonna sell at least this many units at the minimum, you know, if you were just, pin right? Whereas a job, it's funny, like in the beginning you start with certainty. And I think think there may be growing uncertainty over time that this is really what I really wanna do. (laughs) (laughs) you know so um and uh you talked about um experimentation i think this is this is scary for a lot of people um creators and do you have any kind of uh counsel for how do we experiment in a way that doesn't um that doesn't break the bank or or Mm -hmm. isn't too embarrassing Any, any yeah yeah
1: yeah, and it's interesting that you bring up that embarrassment, right? And again, we're talking about the two sides of this coin. There's the the emotional side, right? Because what does it really matter if you're embarrassed, But mm-hmm. this is the truth, especially for a lot of us who have been in careers for a while. you know, I spent a lot of time in in not a lot of time, but a decade in a career where I worked in um, big corporations, fortune 500s. And when you go out on your own, there is this, sense of worry that if you fail, everyone's going to laugh at you, right? And, and you know, that people will say, well, of course, like who who did George think he was to leave his job and uh, become an entrepreneur and why is he so special? Of course, you know, today we see more and more examples, I I think, of people being successful. So it seems more possible, but that is something to think about. The other thing to think about um, is that The biggest risk you face as an entrepreneur is that you're going to spend a bunch of time on something only to release it to the world and find out that nobody actually wants it or that no one is willing to pay for it so to me the risk can be either minimized or you can sort of ignore the risk and make it worse than it needs to be and to minimize it you want to get as close as possible to your customers as early as you can and have conversations with these people, the people that you believe will actually be buying this thing because they're the people that are struggling with the problem or the or they have the need or desire that you're trying to fulfill. And a lot of people, unfortunately, I think, feel like entrepreneurship is sort of like being an inventor where you go away into your laboratory and... Construct something amazing over the course of a couple of years, and then you unleash your genius on the world, and everybody says, Oh my God, this is amazing. Thank you so much. Whereas in reality, most successful products are built with a lot of consultation with the people who might be buying them. And I learned this the hard way myself. Um, In my early attempts at being an entrepreneur, I did something uh, that was, I would call it product first entrepreneurship. And that means I would build something and then go and look for the people that I thought might want this thing. And then later I discovered that you can build something audience first, and you can start to engage people around the topic that you're interested in. And then you can ask them and you can find out like, well, how does this affect your life? What other solutions have you tried? And um, have this Early sense of, okay, well, if I built this, maybe there is a little bit more certainty because these people have told me that they might be interested in. And then instead of building it and trying to make it perfect you just build a small like example of the thing that that they might want to buy or maybe you even offer it first as a service instead of building something as a product and you know let's say that you have this idea for an online course and you want to teach people well instead of spending you know the months it takes to build a good online course maybe you just offer it as a service and a couple of things will happen first you learn whether or not anyone even wants to buy it without having to build the thing first. And then you can deliver it in a way where you're getting a lot of feedback, right? From people as you're delivering the service because you're actually one-on-one or maybe with a small group of people. And then you learn how your proposed solution is actually being used, how useful it is and so on. So that when you go on to build the product, you've reduced the risk that someone will actually buy it and you've increased the chances that it's going to be useful to them.
0: Yeah, that's that's brilliant. I I love that distinction between the product first mode uh, or we might even say sometimes I say it's it's like the the passion first mode versus the compassion (laughs) first mode. Right. It's like now here's the thing people might say, but but I know what they need, (laughs) you know. I know that if they only understood how great this product is, it would really solve their problem or meet their desires. Why don't they understand? George, isn't it your job as a marketer to make them want this thing? Isn't it job of a copywriter or a branding expert uh, or a, an advertising expert to make, to find me an audience uh, and make them want it? And what would you yes. say to that?
1: Yes. Yes. Um... To some degree, you're right, but you have to meet customers where they are. Mm. They have to already have the problem or the need or the desire. Your job as a marketer is, is to explain to them why your product fulfills that problem or need or desire, but it already has to be within them. And I can tell you from experience that it's a long, painful road of trying to educate your customers. On why they have a problem in the first place, why your solution might be a fit, and so on. It's much easier if people are in the desert and need a glass of water, right? We talk about the difference between um, vitamins and painkillers. And certainly, there's a market for vitamins, but if you can sell painkillers because someone has an acute need, it makes it much easier. And I think the problem that a lot of entrepreneurs get into is... Um, They're not even selling vitamins. They're selling something that doesn't have even that much utility and trying to convince people of why they're so great. And you mentioned the word compassion earlier. I think empathy is another great thing to have as an entrepreneur. To try to put yourself in that person's shoes and not see your product as your baby, something that you poured your heart and soul into, but just try to understand it from their point of view. And if you were them, would you want to buy this thing? And a lot of times the answer is no. If you didn't have a direct connection to this thing, you wouldn't care because it doesn't rise to the level of um, something that filters through all the noise that we are surrounded by every day. We have a million things competing for our attention, for our pocketbook and so on. So again, you want to meet customers where they are, find that need, find that desire that they have. And then your job as a marketer is to be able to, first of all, find that audience of people who have that problem. And then second of all, present your products in a way that makes them want to buy it to solve that problem.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This is very good. Now, um, one of the products these days for creators that is so profitable um, and in some ways it's, it it can be quite easy to create is online courses. Mm -hmm. Uh, And a lot of the people who are listening or watching uh, to uh, this right now want to create online courses or have heard of it and and they can can imagine themselves doing it. Um, But I've also, but, but there's, there's a common, Uh, issue or question that they have, which is how does this differ from just content that I create on YouTube or Mm. on a podcast or in a blog post? I mean, uh, blog posts as as an example, you know, people start learning about SEO and they, oh, it's supposed to be what I'm supposed to essentially write Wikipedia entries, (laughs) you know, like I'm supposed to give away the farm same thing with videos. Oh, YouTube should not be making half hour long tutorials that go in depth into every single thing. Well then there's of course the kind of the Patreon model where it's like, well, I, I'm, I'm such a generous person. Can you just give me a few bucks a month? That'd be great. If enough people did that. Um, I've tried that myself and I have found that, um, selling online courses is, is much more possible viable for livelihood in, in a shorter, mm-hmm. shorter time frame, But What is your thought on this? Because, I mean, you, of course, have a very successful membership community, uh, which we'll we'll talk about shortly. It's called Fizzle, and it's awesome. Um, And there's a lot of online courses within Fizzle. So how do you advise the creators in your community to differentiate between the free and the paid? Yeah. A lot of it
1: comes down to um, packaging and the sum of the parts Because there is this kind of race to offer everything for free, right? And I know that you can feel a little disheartened when you realize that something that you have as a great idea might exist out there for free already. And in fact, a lot of these things do. If you go on YouTube, you can find tutorials on just about anything. I'll tell you that in, in my work, I spend maybe half of my time working on things that are free. And those things that I produce for free are out there with the intention of reaching a new audience, um, gaining trust with those people, letting them understand that I have expertise that might be useful to them. But then I spend the other half of my time working on building things that people pay for. And the reason that people pay for things, even though a lot of the information that I have to share is out there for free, is because they want me to guide them from start to finish through the process. They want someone to hold their hand and they, in my case, want to um, experience that in concert with other people at the same time. So in an online course, you often have multiple people going through it at the same time. The students are able to ask you questions directly. The information is all packaged up in a way that you can consume it from start to finish. And I think you know you can you can ask yourself in your own life. Um, people that have this concern about you know, well, how do I know what to put out there for free? You've probably bought a book where you saw someone give an interview, and you thought, oh, that that person's really interesting. I'm gonna go buy their book. Or maybe there's someone that you follow on social media, and and you love everything that they put out, and then you end up buying something from them. Uh, I think it's a natural transition. To either want to go deeper into the topic and actually make progress as opposed to passively consuming something and paying something puts skin in the game for you. It returns additional benefits and features. Um, And then also sometimes it is in reward for the things that someone has given you for free and that you end up wanting to support that person. And, you know, um, I just did this recently. I just bought an online course a couple of days ago. It was $300 to someone that I have um, spent a lot of time following, you know, on social media and so on. And I've gotten a lot just from the free things. And the course itself um, gave me more. I can't tell you if it was exactly $300 of value or not, but I don't really care because I really have gotten a lot from this person, well more than that amount of money, whether it was in the free channels or the paid channels, I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. And actually, that's uh, one of the main reasons I joined Fizzle uh, when I did years ago is because I was getting so much from listening to the podcast and kind of Mm. reading the blog posts, et cetera. I I feel like I only dipped into 3% of what was available for free. And of course, inside Fizzle is interaction that you don't get it uh, the way I think about it is like with an online course that you pay for the creator has more accountability to interact with you in a, Mm -hmm. in a helpful way than just replying to a YouTube comment, which there's no expectation that if they're busy, you know, they might never. And that's normal, you know, for a, for a creator that has a lot, that's a big audience. So I want to just, I want to make sure people who are uh, who are here, Know about Fizzle and know about why it's different than um, you know just going on YouTube or whatever. Um, so Fizzle has been around is it nine years.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I believe um, we're coming up on nine years at the end of this
0: year. The astounding. And um, how how many? I mean, one of the one of the, the the great things about Fizzle is that there's a community of people that you can tap into, peers, uh, resources, um, support, mutual support. How many people are in Fizzle that you can tap into? I mean members are.
1: There? Yeah, there are hundreds of members in Fizzle. I don't know the exact count at the moment. Um okay. we have ebbed and flowed. Uh sure, we've sure. had we've had yeah. uh over I think at the peak maybe 1500 members. Yeah. Um and we've served over 26,000 people over the wow. years.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot of experience in leading people on a uh, an effective strategy towards becoming a, a successful creator. What are uh, some of the favorite things people love about? F- and by the way, I just I should just say, um, folks should definitely check it out. It's fizzle.co.co. Yep. Co.
1: Um,
0: you know, one thing I've always wanted to ask you guys. I'm sure you guys explain this somewhere, but why Fizzle? Why? Why? Whoa. What's the mm. origin of the name?
1: Yeah. So um, you know, Fizzle with the connotation of things fizzle out, right? Right. Yeah. And the truth is most small business dreams end up fizzling out. And Mm. we called it that mostly to remind us of what's at stake because everyone who comes to fizzle has the intention of building something meaningful, maybe of uh, earning a living, quitting their day job, all that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. But the reality is that most people don't end up following through on it and They don't know, there's no like big moment when they give up on that dream. It's more like just a slow, quiet thing, but that is the reality of what happens. Now with naming, and this is, you know, we have a course on naming inside of Fizzle. Yeah. Eventually any name that you give something takes on a life of its own, a meaning of its own. And now Fizzle doesn't mean fizzling out into the members. It just means fizzle. That is what it is. It's sort of like, if you think about, um virgin airlines or yeah. uh monster.com you know uh, there are all kinds of or yahoo there are all kinds of names that have yeah. connotations and they just take on a life of their own in fact totally. inside of fizzle members are called fizzlers Fizzlers, yeah, it's just yeah, it makes it's a lot of just sense. what it is yeah.
0: yeah it's awesome so what is what, what are one or two favorite things about fizzle that members really enjoy
1: Hmm. Um, well, the weekly coaching calls are definitely up there. And uh, that's mostly because, you know, Fizzle ends up being a bit like a gym membership, I would say. And there yeah. are a lot of people um, in in Fizzle, uh, you know, taking courses and so on. But there are resources that only a handful actually take advantage of. So if you show up for those weekly live calls, you're getting a tremendous value because yeah. you're in there with a, with a small couple dozen people that you get to see every week and mm-hmm. you get to follow people's progress, learn what works, learn what doesn't and so on. And um, it just is a really um, close knit and very supportive community. I would say we have people sharing all kinds of things. You know, you and I, we talked earlier about the emotional side and the, and the technical know-how side and the emotional side is something that I feel like a lot of us have to kind of keep to ourselves or we feel like we have to, but in fizzle, um, people really open up and talk about what they're struggling with. And, and it just, it feels good to get it out.
0: Fizzle is so affordable too. It's only at this time of this recording, it's, it's $40 US per month. And you know that's compared to my membership is 111 a month. So, so I just want to encourage everybody who would like just all you can eat business and marketing training uh, that's very well curated, very well done um, from experienced uh, creators to check out Fizzle. It's F-I-Z-Z-L-E dot C-O. .co, not .com, but .co, fizzle.co. Of course, the links will be in the notes below. Um, any f- final kind of encouraging insight or, or yeah, just f- as, as we complete this interview, Corbett? Well, uh, if
1: you are thinking about being an independent creator, I would say that a lot of us focus on the end goal or some level of success that we're trying to realize. But as you look back, I've been an entrepreneur for 15 years now. I recognize that pursuing entrepreneurship was the greatest path towards self-discovery and Mm -hmm. self-realization that I could go on. And I think most of us as entrepreneurs recognize that. You talked earlier about a friend who is trying to convince you to take a job and you're like, no, I need to remain independent. Well, that's because you've learned a lot about yourself on that journey. And I'm not saying that um, entrepreneurship is for everyone. Obviously it's not. And um, there are plenty of situations where working for someone else might be a better option, but I just want to encourage people not to focus entirely on the monetary rewards, uh, and you know uh, the uncertainty that lies ahead, but instead to focus on the things that you're going to learn about yourself by trying to build something and put it out in the world. There's some magic that happens there when you do that, and a lot of it will be painful, but uh, through that pain will come
0: growth. Brilliant. The more we focus on that The more we can value the journey and if we value the journey we'll stay with it and of course comes the monetary rewards as well exactly corbett thank you so much for being part of this uh, interview i really appreciate your work and i hope folks will check out your blog your podcast and fizzle.co so thank you so much
1: thank you george i appreciate it
0: well i hope you enjoyed that there's also a video version of this episode And it's where you can add your comment or question about what I just shared with you. Check out the show notes and click on the link to get to the video. I will see you there.